0: ground ball hit up the middle wong is there throw to first and that'll do it it's been a wild and crazy regular season and the cardinals find themselves in a familiar spot the st louis cardinals are headed to postseason play in 2020. welcome into to the redbird report on 101 espn i'm dan mclaughlin audio courtesy of fox sports midwest the final call yesterday as the Cardinals find themselves in postseason play. They finish up the regular season at 30-28, and 28, and they will face the San Diego Padres in the first round of the 2020 playoffs. Coming up, you'll hear my broadcast partner, Brad Thompson. Mike Schilt summed up what the moment meant yesterday heading into postseason play.
1: It's hard to express the respect I have for this group. I mean, other teams, you know, Miami as well, We can relate to that accomplishment but that's a it's a pretty special accomplishment what just took place you know and i told the group this and clearly everybody's been disrupted by this season everybody is watching everybody in this league but the ability for people to deal with the things that people couldn't even people could see and follow you guys follow us played 11 double headers we played However many games in, you know, ridiculous amount of, you know, number of days. Unprecedented has ever happened in the history of sports. And to make the playoffs with losing a third of your team, taking a 17-day break, having a drive to a game, it got beyond baseball. That's accomplishments about spirit and heart and togetherness and just sheer will.
0: It was a crazy season for the Cardinals. They had 17 days off at one point, the most ever in the middle of a season for any major league club. 11 doubleheaders, 53 games in 44 days.
1: It's a great example for a lot of things in our society even, how you bond together. This group was together through the social justice things. They're still together with the issues with that. The issues with the 18 people um, having a pretty serious issue with what's going on with COVID and having a layoff from being able to work and be able to just, in an athletic field that re- requires mental and physical stimulation, you don't get it. And then you lose 33% of your team and come out and have to play 11 double headers. And I mean, I just want to appreciate and pause what, the, what just happened. And what these guys just accomplished getting through it was could have been enough but then making the playoffs and sticking to their goals of making the playoffs and figuring out a way to do it and find a solution is for me beyond impressive on a lot of levels
0: this was a season in which the cardinals were never three games above the 500 mark 17 days spent at exactly a 500 winning percentage and now 13 consecutive seasons at 500 or better. And
1: you know what, I don't want to minimize those accomplishments and those teams um, because they're special and memorable and, and there's a bond with those groups and a lot of positive, amazing things have happened and perseverance took place with a lot of those teams that, that won championships and last year's team that won the regular season championships and got the National League Championship Series. But my gosh, um, <laughs> we don't know if we're gonna be able to play this year. And there were days we didn't know who was able to even able to play. You know, and then the injuries and all the other things. And while well, I'm thinking about, I'd like to make sure Adam Olson his medical staff and the performance staff get a big, big, big public gratitude for their efforts. Because I can't tell you, and thank God you guys weren't privy to it, but that is some crazy stuff that they just had to deal with and experience and adjust to. And Mike Maddox said we need to be elite adjusters. and. They and everybody in this group have been but to answer your question a long way no I've never that's the most amazing thing I've I've ever seen or experienced with a group I love this group so we
0: know the Cardinals will face the San Diego Padres how about some other matchups in the National League the number one seed will be the Los Angeles Dodgers they'll take on the number eight seed the Brewers. And some say, well, Craig Council and the Brewers backed into the postseason.
1: No, it was a celebration. Uh, I, I don't, you know, we're in. We're in the playoffs. Uh, that's, that's how you see it. There's no reason to um, apologize for getting in the playoffs. Um, we beat the other teams and then and got the eight spots, so we're in. And we're, we got a chance. Um, that's, you got to get in. And so we got a chance to win the World Series still.
0: The number four seed, San Diego, against the number five seed, St. Louis. It's the number three seed, the Cubs against the number six seed, the Marlins, the number two seed. That's the Braves against the number seven seed, the Reds. On the outside looking in, Joe Girardi and the Phillies. They went on a slide in the final week. We were up and down all year,
2: right? It was just kind of how we played. We were streaky. And we happened to finish on a bad streak instead of just an OK streak. And it was the difference in our season. Another
0: team on the outside looking in, the Giants and Gabe Kapler, one game shy of postseason play. It
2: stinks, right? Um, we, we did overcome a lot. I think we did a really nice job dealing with the ups and downs of the season. Just the season that, that all the other clubs have to deal with. But I think some um, some extra difficult circumstances for our club. And I thought that we did a nice job handling it. You know, obviously you want that to lead to to wins in the end. I mean, I think we did a really nice job relative to um, some teams. Like, I think our our pitching stayed fairly healthy. I think we did a really nice job of, of staying healthy from a COVID perspective but also just kind of staying on the field, generally speaking.
0: Over in the American League, it was the Rays, the number one seed against the eight seed, the Blue Jays, the number four seed, the Indians, against the number five seed, Yankees, the number three seed, the Minnesota Twins against the number six seed, the Astros, the number two seed, the Oakland A's against the number seven seed, the White Sox. That should be a very good series. Back to the Cardinals for a moment. This morning on Carricker and Smallman, they had one of the respected baseball writers in America, Tim Kirkchin, and he said it's a miracle the Cardinals got into postseason play.
3: Look, it's a miracle the Cardinals are in the playoffs given what you just said and given that there was zero chance in my mind that they would ever play 58 games this year and they could have easily played 60 with two more today it's a miracle that no team since 1945 has ever even attempted what the cardinals had to go through in order to get to this point point. and not only did they get through the season which was a big question at one point they made the playoffs so it's real tribute to everyone in that organization that somehow they pulled it together granted they got some help and a 60 game season really helped but they made it and they deserve all the credit in the world for that and they have pretty darn good starting pitching which uh Gives you a chance in any series, especially a short
0: one. How does he size up the Cardinals and the Padres series?
3: Well, I think it comes down to the injuries with the pitching staff for the Padres. If the Nelson Lamette and Mike Clevenger are not able to pitch, or if they do pitch and they're not healthy 100%, I think that changes the equation. Those guys are really good, and they have swing and miss stuff. But if they're not right because of those bicep injuries, then I think that gives the Cardinals more than a real chance to win that series because of the starting pitching the Cardinals have. But I think I know that the Padres are a better team when they're 100% healthy. But they also haven't been in the playoffs for a while. The Cardinals, granted, have been away for a while, but they've got some really tested guys on their team led by the catcher. So I think it's a toss up series, but I think it comes down to. Lamette and Clevenger, exactly what are they going to get, if anything, out of either one of those guys?
0: This will be the second consecutive postseason berth for the Cardinals. Last year, they won the Central 91 and 71 a year ago, beat the Braves in five games, made it to the NLCS. And again, it's postseason play for the St. Louis Cardinals.
3: Well, I'm a big believer in all of that stuff. Some people aren't. I am. And, you know, when you're a St. Louis Cardinal, and we're going back a few years, and you see Red Shandys in the clubhouse every day, and Lou Brock shows up here and there, and then Bob Gibson walks in. It sounds corny, but that stuff matters. Stan Musial used to show up at the ballpark, how can you not look at him? And some of the others I mentioned say, boy, it's, it's tremendous pride playing for this organization. It's arguably the greatest organization in the history of the National League. And I think that stuff matters. I think when you, it sounds corny, but you put that Cardinal uniform on and the team is way bigger than you are. And Albert Poole is one of the greatest players I've ever seen. But when he left, what I gathered from St. Louis is we'll figure out how to win because we're the Cardinals. Nobody's bigger than our team, and I think that's what the players feel when they come play
0: for the St. Louis Cardinals. That's Tim Kirchin from This Morning. Coming up, we'll visit with Brad Thompson, my broadcast partner on Fox Sports Midwest. This is the Redbird Report on 101 ESPN. The Cardinals are headed into postseason play. They'll take on the uh, San Diego Padres. Always great to catch up, my man. How are you? I am doing well, and you know, Dan, I mean, the Cardinals had it the whole time. This season was easy. I mean, piece of cake, right? Yeah, no big deal. The Cardinals finish up 30-28. and 28. We all knew it. It was in the bag. No big deal.
2: That's right. That's right. Look, when you know, you know. You saw this team in spring training. It played out exactly as planned, and here we are with a chance to chase. A kidding me with this season? I mean, seriously. O- overall, everything about it, all the ins and outs of it, and I know Mike Schultz was talking about it a little bit, uh, after the game yesterday and I, he's such a thoughtful like human being he was trying you know during a zoom to kind of you know give you a little bit of a glimpse behind the curtain but he was reflecting at the same time uh but but just everything that this ball club had to go through and certainly every team had trials this year all right this wasn't a normal year but the Cardinals was just different. And I know Shilty mentioned this yesterday, too. Is, uh, I mean, how about them driving rented cars to Chicago to start play after 17 days off? Like, that, you know how ridiculous that is just in general? But they were able to overcome stuff. They were able to just fight and battle. And it wasn't always pretty, but it doesn't
0: have to be. How will you remember this regular season as you uh, reflect on 2020?
2: Man, I well, it's it's memorable just because of what it was. But, but the the characteristic for me that's going to pop out about this season for the Cardinals is just simply it, like the, how tenacious this team was. Um, going back to the idea that it wasn't always pretty. Look, the Cardinals, uh, the offense struggled uh, to, throughout the year and, and at times. And I know that Mike Schilt referenced all the double headers and all the games and. and there's reasons, you know, for some of these things to to happen. But the pitching stood up for you and they they everybody had each other's back. And the one thing I never saw a player on the field this year, no matter what they were going through physically or mentally, I never saw anybody look defeated like it was just like man this season is way too long there were times where the team uh looked like they were uh, a little bit out of gas like that happened but no individuals ever looked defeated and to me that is a a hallmark of the leadership of mike schilt of the veterans of this club who make sure that everybody is prepared day in and day out and i think the staff did a good enough job to give guys rest when they needed it and to communicate with the team. But overall, man, it's just how tenacious this team was. That's how I'm going to remember this team this regular season.
0: You were primarily a bullpen guy. I was talking about this in the opening segment, how Mike Maddox and Mike Schilt. You know, they at times lost the battle early on in the season in terms of matchups, but because of how they used the bullpen, they won the war because they didn't overexpose guys or get guys hurt. I thought how they managed the bullpen early in the season was critical to winning uh, down the stretch here for the St. Louis Cardinals.
2: I would agree. And I think it was it would be very easy at times to color by numbers, if you will, right? You see a situation, it's like, oh, this situation calls for John kant Let's throw John Kant out there. Well, if you get in that same situation three out of four days, you can't continue to go to the same guy. And, and they knew that. They know what uh, what matchups are advantageous, but they also have a big picture in mind, even if the big picture picture is 58 games. Like, they still understand what they're shooting for, And it helps out that they were able to construct a roster that had so much versatility in that bullpen as well because you had a lot of guys that were able to step up. So from a a pitching standpoint, I think they did a great job with that. And honestly, from a position player standpoint, it's very difficult to be able to give these guys breathers um, night in, night out. But I think that they did as good of a job as they possibly could on that end as well because those guys had a freaking battle every day. You might look at it at the end and maybe down the road – because it's fresh, like we realize it, but maybe when we're going back and looking at baseball reference in 10 years, it's like, oh, these guys, they they play 58 games. How could you be gassed in 58 games? Well, when you play 53 of them in 44 days, that might end up taking a little bit out of you. So overall, yes, I mean, I think both sides did a really good job of of managing the pitching and the position players.
0: Let's talk about uh, your individual awards for this St. Louis Cardinals team. I'll go with your MVP. Who would be your MVP of the St. Louis Cardinals? I'm tossed up here because uh, I don't want to give my MVP and my Cy
2: Young to the same guy. I got gotcha. you. It it can happen, Uh, but what the heck, I'm going to do it anyhow. I'm giving it to Adam Wainwright. I I think that he is just kind of the uh, – he's been a constant, and he's picked you up so much and and truly wore – the moniker of ace this season. I, I really just, uh, I believe that there are plenty of individuals that, that you could insert this line with, but the Cardinals wouldn't win, wouldn't be in the postseason If it weren't for Adam Wainwright, Adam Wainwright was the guy that picked you up after you had a 17 day layoff and he gave you five innings. He was the guy that after your bullpen got hammered against the, the Indians that he picked you up on his birthday and told Shilty beforehand, I got this. And gives you a complete game. I mean, he was the guy every step along the way that answered the bell. And to me, that's got MVP written all over it. I will say if I wanted to throw in a position player, the obvious answer to me is Goldie, how consistent he was throughout the year. The big fundy got it done.
0: How about your favorite moment of 2020 in the regular season? Did you have one? Well,
2: yeah, and it was the one I just referenced, honestly. It was the Adam Wainwright on his birthday. That Him and Yachty hugging with the masks on, like, that to me, that's a moment that's going to live on for me. That is an absolute uh, no-brainer for me. That's a great memory. There are other ones that stand out, obviously. Brad Miller had a couple of them for me. Brad Miller at Wrigley and then Brad Miller with the 7-RBI-2 home run night uh, in Cincinnati. That one was, was certainly memorable. I, I think that there were so – every individual had a shining moment, you know, within the 58 games. But the Wayno one is the one that stands out for me. What was yours? What was your um, lasting memory of the year?
0: I, I had a few. I would say, um, and it's the two guys that you just mentioned, Waino and Yachty. Uh, the, the complete game with Waino is, is one that stands out to me for a, a number of reasons. Number one, the importance for the team at that point. They needed a big start and they got it because they were on fumes and he gives you a nine inning complete game on his birthday, the oldest player in the national league. So that was huge. And the Cardinals then kind of, it just righted the ship, calmed everything down and he goes the distance on his 39th birthday. And then the lasting memory of the mask, putting a mask on in 2020 just sums everything up. It's just so odd. Um, And then there's two from Yachty. Uh, The home run that he hit on Roberto Clemente Day, because you know Uh what that means for him, and it's a significant moment for him personally. And then his 2000th hit, to make sure that he got it in a Cardinal uniform at uh, Bush Stadium, even though there's no fans, is a significant milestone. The 12th catcher in the history of the game to do it, and to do it in a Cardinal uniform, Brad, you know that meant something to him. So to me, that was very, very important. And to get it done before uh, the 2020 season ended, I think is, is significant for me. Very important. uh,
2: I don't know how I left out Yachty's 2000 when I was rattling off stuff. That's an unbelievable moment. It's one, and I think that you and I are on the same page when it comes to Yachty. We both believe that he's going to be back uh, in a Cardinal uniform next year and believe that uh, next year will be a heck of a lot more normal than this year, but... We don't know. Like you just never know in a situation like that. By the way, how about Yachty quipping after the game yesterday when he was asked, you know, did you think about this could be your last at bat at Bush Stadium? He said, "Yeah, that's why I hit into a triple play. I've never done that here." (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love the answer and. and you know, he, he wants to play for, uh, you know, at least a few more years. He doesn't look like he's slowing down to me, and I, I just can't picture him in any other uniform.
0: The importance, Brad, of winning yesterday so now that you don't have to go to Detroit today is huge in the fact, too, that you can line up your pitching uh, to start on Wednesday. So how would you line up your pitching if you're Mike Schilt and Mike Maddox?
2: So uh, this one's interesting to me because there are a couple of different directions that you can go as far as the rotation. Now, I think that uh, just due to days off, Wayne O'Kiss on Saturday, I-, I see him pitching game two, chances are. I know that things have not been perfect for Jack Flaherty this year. His best outing came against the twin- uh, the uh, Pirates on Saturday. But- he punched out 11, went a little bit deeper into a ball game. I still think that they have the confidence in Jack to roll him out there game number one. So I, I could see it being Jack, Wayno and Kekunen as your three, but the larger point, uh, and I am interested in how you'd set up your, your rotation in in these three games because the Padres have some issues in their rotation. Uh, But the larger point about not playing this game uh, on Monday is that you can, you can go Johnny Holstaff against the Padres early on. Nobody's going to be burnt out. You you have your bullpen as fresh as can be. What about your three? Dan, I'm, I'm guessing you've talked about this so far.
0: Yeah, I'm going KK. Uh, I, I think KK I like has is earned that game one start. I think he's been your best pitcher um, along with Wainwright, and I'd look Wainwright game two, and I'm, I'm looking Jack in, in game three. I, I think if the Brewers were your opponent, Uh, jack is not going to go and you know that that they've got his number but to the greater picture i think kk deserves a start i need to dive a little bit more numbers in how san diego has fared against lefties but and then wayno's got to get a start and then maybe jack Flaherty in game three with Flaherty ready to go in case you're in any kind of trouble maybe in game number two but i love kk going in game number one
2: I don't mind that one bit. and I do think that that's an added benefit when it comes to the pitching staff. We can ham and haw about the lineup all we want, and, you know, what fits best where, and all of that. But when it comes to your rotation, I think that you got you got enough guys, even with the injuries, even with the uncertainty around Carlos, and obviously Dakota is out for the year. I like what they're able to roll out there, especially in three games. So if KK gets the nod, game one, let's roll. I mean, he, he has done nothing but just attack. And I appreciate that when it, when it comes to like, his mindset, the way that he works. And uh, obviously this this year has been so crazy for – everybody, but like him, you think about KK coming
0: over to the States, he has just handled everything great. I... It a different story for me, uh, with everybody on their rest, if he would have had a home game, I would have waited for Wainwright to go in a home game at Bush Stadium, and then I would have pushed Jack up to Game 2, but all the games are insane to go into the bubble after that, but that's just the way I look at it. Now, the other thing I look at is I like the fact that Dylan Carlson is moving up, hitting behind Goldschmidt. I don't know where you're at with that, but I'm seeing a different Frank Carlson and the way that he is attacking and swinging the bat. How about you?
2: I'm kind of surprised it took as long as it did to, to be totally honest with you to move him around in the lineup. And I guess there is something to be said for don't mess with a good thing. He looked like he was getting a stroke hitting, whether it was seventh, eighth or ninth, but there was an urgency and there should be an urgency. The Cardinals offense And I realize all the games and just being worn down, but they've struggled and they needed a shot in the arm. And I think that Dylan Carlson provides that. So initially when I was looking at the the lineup, when I thought about moving Dylan around and you and I talked about this the last couple of weeks, my thought process was early on, Hey, maybe you provide him a little bit of protection. If you hit him in front of Goldie, maybe you move him into the two hole or maybe you move him into the three hole and move Goldie back to four. But right now, the way that Dylan Carlson is seeing the ball, swinging it, and his approach in general, and to your point, it looks like a different guy. I don't think that he needs the protection of Goldie. I think what he provides is actually a little bit of fear behind him. So the fact that he switch hits, he can do it with power, and it was great to see him the other day from the right side uh, you know, with the extra base hit, too, showing off that. I love the fact that he's moving up, and I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. I mean, I don't see anybody that's pushing him out of any of those spots in the lineup. So uh, I, I dig it. I'm totally happy with him hitting in the four hole. But either way, Dylan Carlson, I mean, I know they've used the term uh, heavy pencil a lot, Shilty, when asked about anything. Pull out the sharpie because that guy's going to be in your lineup every day.
0: I know you have a very special relationship with Fred Bird, having done many shows with him. Uh, were you happy to see that he was out of harm's way yesterday with Bader's home run?
2: I got to be honest with you, I wasn't. I wasn't happy that he was <laughs> that he wasn't in front of that easel putting the uh, final final. Uh, touches on his masterpiece maybe some happy trees or happy clouds <laughs> or something on there because uh, i just think it would have been so fitting if he caught one right off his bird shoulder or something like that not to, <laughs> just a glancing blow uh but again it was, it was another one of those moments where i couldn't stop laughing because you couldn't stop laughing on the broadcast uh, it was that was just It was perfect. Fred Bird, I mean, you know, let me run back my MVP. Fred Bird's the MVP of the season, all right? Adam, you know, great year. That's good and all, and and, uh, I believe that he'll be back. But Fred Bird, he was a constant. He was. He ended up bringing the laughs. Uh, He had it going on. I I enjoy his whole Bird Ross get-up. I couldn't believe he wasn't out there for that, though. I mean, damn, what the
0: heck? The only time. The entire time, he had all these different themes every time. I said, well, Mother Nature calls, I guess. And sure enough, Bader hits an absolute missile, and it would have hit him. The only time this year. (laughs) An absolute rocket there. It would have got his tail feather. And it's the only time that he had to go maybe to the restroom. I don't know.
2: Well, We should do a little detective work on that. I am. Any windshields uh, windshields in the area to see if if he (laughs) did did have a nature call issue. A messy windshield.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Brad, great stuff, man. I'll catch up with you uh, later today. And uh, I want to tell you again great work on the broadcast. I get such awesome response from the fans when you're on the games with all our analysts. But um, people love you, man. And uh, keep it up. I really appreciate it.
2: Do I appreciate it. Enjoy working with you, and uh, can't wait to hopefully be talking about a long postseason run for the Cardinals, man. Thanks.
0: You bet. That's Brad Thompson on 101 ESPN.